Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Big sports weekend out there. A lot happening. Got tons of news and notes, titillating tidbits to go over. Hope everybody had a great middle of July, early July weekend. Beautiful, beautiful weather, at least here in the fine city of Chicago. The big dog and a coach will be with you in the entire week, bringing you the best. At least we attempt to in sports talk and more, particularly the more. We'll jump off the sports page early. And often, as we are wont to do here in the Two Guys at a Mic show, David Olson, against all odds, our producer uh, on the other side of the glass. The baby hath not been born yet, so we got David, hopefully, for the entire week. Plenty to talk about from the Tour de France. David, to the sad passing away of Ernest Borgnine, who, quite frankly, I thought passed away like eight years ago. I was shocked to see he's still alive. I love when that happens in obituaries. All right, a little bit of music, and then we'll kick this sucker off. D. Olson, other side of the glass. Phone lines are open, folks. You're going to join us. Big Dog and a Coach at your service, 888-463-6748. The phone number waiting for the dog to check in. And, again, uh, lots of sports to talk about here. I got, I got notes. Just real quick, some of the things we will attempt attempt to get to in the next uh, 58 minutes and 12 seconds. Not that we have this show down to a science, but, uh, you know, every second counts when you're doing a one-hour show. Wimbledon Tennis. Women's U.S. Open, Tour de France, NBA News and Notes, a uh, star, question mark, returning to our very own Chicago Bulls. Ultimate fighting. I don't know how much we can talk about it if the big dog is uh, AWOL, but we'll attempt to do that. Women's professional tackle football. Yeah, I'll say it again. Women's professional tackle football. I got a report on that. The WFA, the Women's Football Alliance, and it's the midseason all-star break. And it is the midseason all-star break, so we'll talk about that. The home run derby, if anybody cares, that is tonight. And we got our obituary of the day, sadly, Ernest Borgnine. He of McHale's Navy and uh, a couple other quality movies, including one of my favorite movies of all time, which is the Poseidon Adventure. Who could forget him on that? Hey, real quick, David, on TV, i got to mention, I saw this uh, <laughs> ad. I think it was in TV Guide magazine, which is very aggravating because my reading time is limited. I got a bunch of magazines, hard to keep up with them all. And then my wife buys the TV Guide magazine when she goes grocery shopping. And it's just one of those things. It's, it's hard to resist. You know, it's like the uh, the little butterscotch treats in the corner of the, uh, the cupboard that you didn't buy. You really know you shouldn't eat. But you can't resist doing them. So they're right there for you. So anyhow, I, I, I read through the TV Guide, but there's an ad. New show coming out on the ABC Family Reality Series. I don't know if that's regular ABC or some advent thereof, but it's called Beverly Hills Nannies. Beverly Hills Nannies. Are you kidding me? But I love the byline below it. You've met the wives. Now, dot, 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 meet the help. (laughs) Now, who do you you think think Uh, makes more money? Beverly? Who do you think makes more money in the world, Coach? Uh, uh, Beverly Hills t- Nanny or East St. Louis 
Lewis uh, school teacher. Yeah, sadly, I think you've you've answered your own question. Uh, nanny, a Beverly Hills nanny's pulling in ten grand a month plus everything's paid for. Yeah, uh, that's fine. You know, God bless them. But uh, do we have to have a TV series on them? Oh, I couldn't agree more, Coach. You, Joel, the amount of horrible television that's on, <laughs> and the and the fact that Idris has not been able to get our horrible television yes. show on. Yes, well, it's disgusting. It really. When had, you think about, I mean. It's much better. Let's chase down some deadbeat parents as opposed to, you know, watch yeah. a bunch of spoiled people that have ridiculous lives. <laughs> the nanny probably hires somebody out to take care of the kids. Yeah, the nanny has her own nanny. Yeah, David. Maybe yeah, you should move to Beverly Hills and become a nanny. Ah. Not a bad idea. Male nanny. Yeah, Beverly Hills oh, manny. Oh, I like it. Manny's. Manny's. Big yeah. dog. Are you kidding well, me? How did we not think of this earlier? I can do it in the offseason. November 1st. Until March 1st, I actually just take care of brat kids that are spoiled in Beverly Hills. It's not, I, I, like, I would take care of these because they, they come out a little different. Uh-huh. That's what I can tell it's you. It's not bad. That's not bad. I like the concept. But I still, you've met the wives. Now, you let's meet the help. Can you, can me you imagine break. me as a nanny, though? Like, yeah. The kid couldn't eat any high fructose corn syrup, no yeah. hydrogenated vegetables. You know, it would be a little different. These these spoiled brats who are mm-hmm. used to like sucking on lollipops all day. Yeah, something's gonna be happening if the big dogs are out. You'd be a great man. You have, have to eat real sugar, young man. You can't mm-hmm. eat anything that you know. It, it'd be a little weird. Yeah, they'd have to. Um, how do I put this gently? They'd have to buy a little bit more toilet paper than they've been buying in recent years. No, no, I wouldn't. You don't go too crazy on fiber with the youth. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Without getting too detailed, the voice you're hearing, I haven't given him his proper introductions, ladies and gentlemen. He is the star of the show. He's the man of the hour. He's the man, the myth, and the semi-legend. My good partner, who once reportedly was found by the Aurora, that's his hometown, Aurora Police Department, half-naked, swimming in his swimming pool. And, David, the disturbing part about that was apparently the arrest shows that he was wearing a (laughs) T-shirt. It's my good partner, Joel Radwanski. Big dog, how are you? Yeah, that was in my own pool, and the police yeah. should leave me to F alone, yeah. okay? Yeah, if you're going to go half why? naked, you pick the wrong half, that's for sure. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I have not swam in my pool yet this year. What? I'm actually at my house. Come on. I, coach, I have not been in Aurora in over 20 days. So uh-huh. I'm finally back. I wanted to come back last Tuesday, but last Tuesday my back locked up, and I did the show from literally the Lilac's uh, twin bed, you know, <laughs> laying cramped up on the side, you know, so... Uh, and she's got a shelf like two feet over it. That, that's not a very comfortable position. We could do uh, a we could do a National Geographic series on the different locations that the big dog has done the show from. Hey, Coach, you would be amazed, <laughs> shocked. I, I'm not kidding you, shocked <laughs> at stuff that has been going on around me or what I've been doing while I've been doing the show. Oh man! But honestly, I mean, the last the last two years has been. Quite a trip is the best way I can tell you, but I think things are finally settling down for me, Coach. David, we got the cameras in the wrong place. The cameras are, you know, in the studio here. We need, we need the roving camera to follow the big dog around. Well, today, luckily, I will be not disturbed. It, I'm in my house. It's all alone. I call people at the studio, so here I am. I'm in. I'm out in Aurora, Coach. And uh, I, quite honestly, I needed a day off. I'm not kidding. You. I feel like not doing anything today mm-hmm. besides like laying down. I haven't watched television in a week. I just saw the top plate. Are you kidding me? That catch with the baby in the hand. What are people? If you're at the ballpark 
and you have a child in your hand. Oh, that was the one about a week ago? A baseball unless it's going directly at you. <laughs> you don't make a step to the side and leap with a baby in your hand. Hey, look at me. I'm on top lanes. Yep. Are you talking on. about th- this was like the one from maybe a week ago? Well, there was uh, there was one from supposedly three days ago okay. that I just saw because it's still the number one yeah. play in and, and uh, yeah, and I did. I bro, I was I came, I came home, coach. I forgot. I'm so used to putting ESPN on when I was watching TV like weeks ago, and I quit watching ESPN. I was able to do it. I come first thing I do is put on one seven three and start watching ESPN, and then I just realized too, I was not supposed to be watching ESPN anymore. So. That's how long it's been since I've been watching television. Yeah, you're a dedicated sports professional. We'll let it go. but uh, So it'll be a little bit more of reactionary sports talk radio with the big dog who's been working too much in his real paying job and, uh, uh, you know, not following the sports scene as much. But you got to go where the money might lie, big dog. But uh, we got lots to talk about, my friend, lots to talk about. i got tons of news and no titillating tidbits. And then I want to finish it out with baseball because uh, over the weekend, hard to believe, I feel like just yesterday, dog, you were waxing poetic in our award-winning preseason baseball preview show, but we are at the mid-season break, my friend. All-star break, all-star game tomorrow. Hard to believe. You know, not really. I, I swear to you, Coach, Memorial Day to July 4th in all of our lives is like a blink of an eye. Like, what the heck just happened? Every single year, it doesn't seem like it happens. Your Memorial Day weekend, and next thing you know, everybody graduates. There's a couple weddings. You know, all of a sudden it's, it goes from horrible to beautiful, and then you're like, oh, my God, your all-star game is – and I swear that happens every year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it just feels like the normal pace of a season. The only thing that's not normal about this year is who's in first place and who's in last place in all these divisions. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, so, too, there's uh, – well, I won't say many more, but there are more teams in contention because new this year is there is an additional – Wild card team, so that's going to include even more teams in contention, Big Dog. I really thoroughly hate the way that they're doing it now. I wish they could have baseball eliminate two teams, and I mean that. I'm sorry, but eliminate two teams and and go to 28 team leagues. So you have four seven team divisions. You can do this whole one game thing in, but it's it's so inequitable that it's kind of it's really unfair the way this is set up. I don't want to get into all that, Coach, but you're exactly right. A lot more teams are still in it, and it's truly important that if you're a Major League Baseball team now, you've got to have a number one pitcher, because if you have a number one pitcher, you can get in a wild card game, you'd be like, go win us a game, hopefully you get you know, you know, get a, a day off, and the guy hopefully can pitch on three days, and he can maybe pitch two, you know, I mean, it, it, it's the way they have it set up now with the one-game playoff for all the wild card teams. Admittedly, it's going to be a great day watching those games. But is it really fair if we have a team that maybe, uh, you know, it definitely could happen. Just say it won't happen this year. But if you look at the way the teams are constructed, next year the Angels and the Rangers could be 104 and 103 and win. And all of a sudden, uh, like the Angels have to play a one-game playoff to get into the playoffs when a team like the White Sox could win the American League Central next year with 88 wins. Mm-hmm. You know, so and the, well, the when there were the facts are in the playoffs, who knows they could end up winning the World Series again? But, yeah, I tend to agree I, I with you. Like, you know, the way you're describing it, it, it almost sounds like what we talk about in the shootout in soccer. It's entertaining, it's tremendous drama, but it's not really fair, and it doesn't indicate the what happened 
mm-hmm. during the previous just, 90 minutes, or in this case, the previous 162 games. Yeah, I, I just wish that maybe less uh, playoff di- divisions would make it a little bit more fair. Yep. If you're going to do it the way you're going to do it, because I, I, it's just, I, I just it doesn't make sense to me to have six five-team divisions mm-hmm. in, in baseball. If you have more divisions than actual teams in it, you do that when it's like a round-robin tournament in the World Cup. You don't do it when you have 162 games. That's like Baseball has kind of like watered itself down in some way, and they got to get back to If you really believe winning your division is important, well, put more teams in the division. So, I mean, Coach, would you ever buy a Chicago Cubs National League Central Division Championship T-shirt? Honestly, come on. No. Would you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who but a National League the- pennant back in the old day winning the pennant? Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Even when it was like four seventeen divisions, you know, that's you know what? It, that was you just won the National League East and you beat six other teams and it was hundred and sixty two games. Mm-hmm. It's just something a little different when you only beat four and you kinda know teams that don't even win divisions get in. I'm not complaining about that. I would like to go back to this. Just like I'm on my high horse again. But but you do but, know the reason for it. They're so they want to make sure that more teams are still in it on right. September first. Right. They want to keep the interest of the fans across the country as much as possible. Now in your new system, here we are at the All Star break, talking to Commissioner Wannabe, and probably Commissioner should be. I'll take you over Bud Selig in a airport minute, my friend. Uh, under your system, Big Dog, how would you still? Be able to keep the interest of nearly as many cities. You know what? No, I'll, we can have just as many teams in it. If you want to have those, the whole wild card, one team playoffs, that's fine. But uh, I, to be honest, I think there's too many baseball teams. Or if some way Bud Sealer could prove to me that you need to add two more, I would like if you had four divisions, National League and American League, keep it the same, okay? And uh, you have four division champions, and mm-hmm. then if you want to have I don't care how many other ones that you have. You could have eight other uh, wild card teams that all get one game playoffs into the playoffs after that. But just as long as there's more of, I, I, they want more of an emphasis on division champions. But it's it's watered down and diluted because there's there's too many of them. Mm-hmm. If they want more of an emphasis on division champions. Yep. Any way you look it at down. it, you give you give a wild card team a team that was beaten, uh, say in baseball, they could be 10, 15, 20 games. Behind another team, uh-huh. uh, but anytime you give you know teams a chance to win it all when it comes to the playoff round, you know as we've seen over and over again, anything can happen in that playoff round. Two out of three, three out of uh, you know best of five, best of seven, whatever it is. There's no guarantee against that team that was clearly outplayed during the regular season of advancing in a tournament situation like we have in pro in all pro sports. That's almost. A given, and I think the only alleviation, Big Dog, and we've talked about, I don't think it's going to happen, but more emphasis on the regular season championship. I didn't say total. The Stanley Cup or the World Series is still the ultimate goal, but I think, and under your system with the eight-team division, maybe there would be more celebration, more emphasis on just winning a pennant, winning a league championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I would like that. I definitely would like that. Uh, yeah. I, I lost because I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I lost track. I had a good point, and I, I lost track of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? You have enough teams. If you have a one-game playoff, that's it's real exciting, and and it does make it interesting for everybody in general. So 
you know, at the end of this year, there's probably going to be, on September 15th, there still might be 20 teams of, that have a chance at getting one of the 10 spots for baseball. That mm-hmm. hardly ever happens. The Cardinals, though, you like you were saying, in a tournament place, or 06 and 11, when they won their championships. <laughs> they won, like, 83 games in 2006. And last year, what were they, like, nine games back? They were the furthest back of playoff contention of any team ever that won the World Series on September 1st. And they were like, it might have been like 10 or 13 games back and they won the championship. So mm-hmm. now it, every, everybody believes now. They're like, look at the Cardinals. I mean, all they did is sneak in and then all of a sudden they just won a couple series. And that's all you got to do. Look at the mm-hmm. Cubs. They have not lost a series in, in like oh, 10 days. You know, that's not that big of a deal, but that's three series and against teams that are definitely better than them. Yep, it's so, just it's it's built into the playoff scenario that uh, you know, and, and of course in the NFL it's one game, so you can oh, do all so the wild card shenanigans you want. You can make them. Uh, well, what what league is it? The Big East, the Big East. I think the only one I've known in the conference tournament where they make the non top four teams actually have to win two extra rounds to enter in with the other teams, so you can penalize them if that's the word you want to use. But the problem with that big dog is while the teams that are being rewarded. With the bye are sitting, the wild card teams that have to play the extra round are playing, winning, gaining momentum, and when they meet, sometimes it's the advantage to the wild card. Yeah, and and in the other sports, I don't worry about that, but in baseball, that you can't have a, a team sitting out for a round. Yep. You know, so it, it has to be like the one game scenario for these wild card teams because you can't have. Oh, you have the best record in baseball. We're going to give you a bye. We'll see you in about a week. What? What are you talking about? You know, mm-hmm. it's got to be the typical playoff situation. All right, we got but, a, we, uh, we got a lot to get to here. As long as we're on the baseball, let's finish up the baseball talk here as we head into the All Star break. Lots of stories. Want to get to the ultimate fighting, uh, including, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, in addition, want to get to the ultimate fighting. I know you got thoughts on that big though that's amongst our news and notes titillating tidbits uh let me throw the phone number out there as we uh, finish up baseball talk you got some thoughts on the cubs Sox, any of the teams as we head into the all-star break our phone lines are open love to hear from you 888-463-6748 the phone number 888-463-6748 real quick you had mentioned about teams having a strong starting pitcher big dog or uh number one and it brought to mind something I saw over the weekend where I think Zach Greinke, I don't know if you saw this story or not, Zach well, Greinke not, could be, he could become the first pitcher in, I don't know, 60, 70 year who could start three consecutive games for his team. Well, because of rain delays or because of the all-star break? First game, a while back, a week back, whatever it was, he threw, I believe, four or five pitches in the first inning, Disputed play at first base with him covering. Apparently, oh. I didn't see it. He throws down the baseball in disgust. I don't know if he said something else. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's illegal. Immediately, it, what, what is throwing the baseball down? Throwing your glove or any uh, a piece of equipment. Okay. Anytime a player throws a bat, he should be ejected. Well, he was. Toss, I meant like, like throw it in frustration, it should be immediately ejected. First inning, four pitches into a start. Boom, he's gone. So the next day, and that might be yesterday, they start him, but he's having a rough outing, and maybe he's you know throwing off kilter a little bit. They yank him after three innings. Well, coming back from the All Star break, apparently they don't play until Thursday or Friday. He's scheduled to be their starting pitcher coming out of the All Star break. That, that's hilarious. 
That's pretty funny, Coach. Three starts in a row. Uh, I don't know if it's hilarious, but it's a, it's a feel-good story anyways. Our, our very own Chicago Cub. And somebody in the paper wrote today, one of the writers, and he's absolutely right, never has a team been, what are they, 19 games below 500 and felt so good about themselves coming into the All-Star break. But the Cubs are resting uh, at least with a little bit of smile on their face. They beat the Mets three consecutive series, nine out of 13. They win 7 nothing yesterday. Big Dog definitely playing better baseball. Yeah, definitely playing a lot better baseball. And and that's all we've that's all we've asked all year long is the start playing some fundamentally sound baseball. The, the first inning with all the opposite field hits, obviously Jeff Becker was totally fooled. It was a ground ball off the line. He, you know, Cubs got lucky. But uh, the most important thing in the whole vast array of things going on in, in, in the Cubs, you know, uh, Tony Rizzo and also Ooh. what Ryan Dempster is doing lately. Those mm-hmm. are like, right now, what's going on? Well, Ryan Dempster was uh, extremely effective in his five innings. Hopefully, make, maybe give the Cubs another start. He's got 21 scoreless consecutive innings or whatever the heck it is. I don't know what the number is. I think it is 21. And I, this is good, Coach, because Dexter's willing to say, hey, I'll go play someplace to try to win a pennant for two months. I'll come back, and you guys can sign me next year if you want to be good. I, I'll have no problem with that. So uh, I would like to see the Cubs get a boatload of free uh, prospects for Ryan Dempster mm-hmm. over the next couple of weeks. Anthony Rizzo, 0 for 4 yesterday, but no question about it. I think that's his first 0 for, by the way. A big, big part of the Cubs' recent surge. Had a hitting streak finally ended. Yeah. I mean, you know, with all the pressure, with all the pressure that he had coming up, Big Dog, to perform like he is, like he has, rather, has been pretty impressive, and he's been the catalyst. But Castro hit a three-run homer yesterday. That's been solid. And uh, he and Darwin Barney up the middle. We find a third baseman that can drive in some RBIs and, uh, you know, get a left fielder, keep Brian LaHare in right, find a catcher a little bit. We could be in business. Yeah, uh, uh, Brian LaHare in right, as long as we have a a right hand. We, the Cubs need a right-handed basher also in right field. I don't care if they have, like, a butcher. I would actually – if they can get a real right fielder and have LaHare and some other guy that bats right-handed platoon in, in left field for the Cubs would be mm-hmm. really, really nice. Yeah, not, not just, yeah but, but not just some guy. We need we need some ball players out there, some RBI producers, some big sticks to add to that lineup. Make make Barney and Castro more complimentary players. You know, uh-huh. you, you have a big-hitting yeah. third baseman, big-hitting left fielder. Now those two guys – can feel the hell out of their position like they're doing and then not have all the pressure on batting. I think that would be a recipe for Cubs success, and I fully expect us in the World Series next year. Yeah, and that would take a a, a right fielder with a real big bat and then having LaHare and Soria with mm-hmm. two in left field. Yeah. Well, we can dream. We can dream, but uh, it's, at, least, at least they hit the halftime break on a positive note, Big Doe, because as you well know and the Cub fans know, before that, it was not pretty. No, <laughs> not pretty. It was embarrassing. <laughs> there was, no, it was embarrassing. The only time they would play great baseball and be ahead 4-2 to two going into the ninth innings were the days that Marmol couldn't find the strike zone. The only days Marmol pitched was when, yeah, pitched well was when like he was getting a, a inning in the middle of the week just because the Cubs had lost five consecutive, you know, ten-run games. And, it, and the way they lost some games is just is absolutely embarrassing, Coach. Bad base running. Fielding, bad decisions, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to be more patient at the plate. Then why do you have the least amount of pitches taken per at bat in the major league? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, stuff like that. It was just like, it does, if things weren't adding up, making sense the last couple of weeks, it's like time to exhale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, 
And I like how people are already getting on seal. I've seen all the trades that yeah, lot, some of them that looks like they haven't worked out. You know, lot the whole, less whole now. Uh, about two, three weeks ago before Travis Wood turned it around and Tony Rizzo came to fruition, uh, it's died down a little bit, but there was some little minor Theo eruptions about two, three weeks ago. You're right about that. Yeah, definitely was. 888-463-6748, the phone number again. Baseball fans, check in. we got our news and notes, titillating tidbits, lots of stuff to talk about coming up in a minute, but we do have to discuss our uh, Chicago White Sox big dog. Uh, they end with a loss but uh, yesterday. Tough defeat, but on top of that, they won five consecutive games. They're in first place by three games, and who would have thunk that if I would have told you John Danks would have been injured, and he was their number one coming into the season? And then Phil Umber, after his perfect game, absolutely fell apart, and he's on the injured list. Now, despite that, they're in first place. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it's really impressive, but I guess you figure if you have a, if someone was going to tell you that Alex Rios was going to uh, turn around and start hitting line drives uh, all over the place, and Adam Dunn was going to be in the top five in RBIs in the American League. You know, I, I mean, that stuff is like, whoa, that's a, that was that was a big reason why they were bad last year. So, mm-hmm. it's also a big reason why they're good this year. There's been a lot of turnaround seasons for the Cubs, for the White Sox, and, and Gordon Beckham the last month has been a really solid yep. Major League Baseball player for him. Yep, so that's good. Yeah, well, he's been outstanding in the field to his credit, even through some. Horrible, including last year, just horrible hitting slumps and frustration. He has been a, 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 you know, at the very least good and at times one of the best defensive second basemen in all of baseball. So you got to credit his defense for sure. He's, I'm not saying it has the range of Sandberg, but he reminds me of yeah. Sandberg the way he feels the ball because yep. he does everything perfectly yep. the way Sandberg did. It's a good call, actually. Very good call. Fundamentally sound. Fundamentally yeah. very, very sound. Now, uh, you mentioned Adam Dunn. I don't know if we can go to the record books here, but when's the last time a guy at the all at the midseason break, or maybe at the end of the year, finished in the top five or top ten in RBIs and his batting average was below 210? I wonder how many times that's happened. Uh, if, if the, okay, all you have to do is maybe look never. up a couple of things. So with Dave Kingman. Rob Deere may have done it. Either one of those guys may have done that, Coach. Uh, I know Kingman, Kingman didn't hit for average, but below 210? Kingman had one year where he hit 207. Wow. But he hit like uh, like 39 home runs, and that was in the early 80s. And sometimes like 92 RBIs would get you in the top 10 back then. That was before uh, guys realized that vitamin B shots gave you a surge of power, Coach. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, things were a little different back then. I think Kingman, and I would bet you maybe, maybe somebody between 1961 and 1968 did something like that. I'm not talking like Killebrew never hit below 210, but I bet you there was one of those guys Mm -hmm. in the era where, like, you would lead the league with 104 RBIs. Somebody like that did. Okay. All right. We'll see if we can check the record book, but that's the – I'm going to find out today. Uh, it's the odd case of Adam Dunn at any rate. Um, 888-463-6748. We'll uh, preview the All-Star game a little bit tomorrow, National League versus American League. Big Dog will have all the odds for you. Well, maybe we'll place a little. Uh, we always do a few little, what do we call our fun bets? What was the game we used to play? Um, uh, we had a name for it. You know where you can pick weird things happening and. Certain circumstances, well, we'll we'll come up with it, but we'll uh, we'll do a little All Star Game preview show. It is 
Uh, the home run derby I personally could care less about, but I will say the uh, I think you agree with me, Big Doug. The Major League Baseball All-Star Game, far and away the most entertaining of the All-Star Games. Uh, I would have to agree, yes. Uh, for me, it means a lot more than even the basketball game because far too many people don't really play defense in the yeah. All-Star Game in basketball or hockey or football. Baseball is the only one where everybody competes at their highest level. Yep. So that is right there, the most entertaining All-Star Game, period. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, if you're talking about the All-Star Game festivities around it, you can argue, is the Home Run Derby or the or the Slam Dunk Championship better? Well, uh, I would have to say the Slam Dunk Championship definitely has better moments, but like the overall competition, I, I, there, there's a lot that goes into the whole All-Star Weekend, Coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I like the way baseball does it. They, they're doing it right. And I... I still like the fact they determine World Series by the winner of the All-Star Game. I am the one person on the planet. I, I know it's stupid and it's totally inequitable, but they have, you know, five team divisions. You might as well do something goofy like giving the, the home team, uh, mm-hmm. you know, World Series advantage because their league won the, the yeah. All-Star Game. I, I tend to agree with it. Adds not a ton. If you're just watching it for that, you're watching the All-Star game for the wrong reason, but it does add a little bit of zest to the game. And as one writer said over the weekend, or one player, I think, that if you want to make the World Series and, and, and you're worried about making the World Series and you don't think you can win because you don't have the home field advantage, then you're probably not going to make the World Series to begin with. That's, uh, yep. that, that is an excellent point, Coach. Yep. All right, uh, let's move to some uh, off-the-baseball uh, section news and no titillating tidbits, Big Dog. Tons of stuff to talk about. Before I forget, we do got to throw out our obituary of the day of the weekend. And sometimes we kid when a person passes away. And like, you know, you kind of half-kiddingly say, geez, you know, I thought that person passed away, you know, three, four years ago, five years ago. In this case, in the case of the dearly beloved Ernie Borgnine, seriously. I, I mean, if you would have asked me last week, I would have bet 95% that Ernie Borgnine died like 8 to 10 years ago, but in fact he didn't. One of the great actors of our time, Big Dog, passing away at the age of 84? I would say 90. How old? 91. 91? But, uh, 95. 95. Wow. 95. Known for beating up Frank, Sin- a, Frank Sinatra no, on camera. In the 30. Huh? He was with Frank Sinatra. Yeah, apparently one of his early movies, he played a gangster and was famous for beating up Frank Sinatra. I don't recall seeing that movie. And then he showed his comedic tone in McHale's Navy, and he was brilliant in one of my top five movies of all time, the original Poseidon Adventure. Who could forget? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen that whole thing. What? I never saw the whole thing. Now, the movie that, uh, that he beats up Sinatra... Uh, Sinatra's playing. I forget, I forget the name of it, but I, I know David Olson is saying he's played like a uh, like a real drunk guy who's got a lot of talent, but he just keeps drinking and just acts a fool. And I, I can't think of the name of the movie, but it is from Here to Eternity. Yep, that's it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's I, that it. movie was phenomenal, Coach. I, I remember seeing that when I was like 15 on the movie channel, and just being like, I think it got me into old movies. I, I actually remember because I. My mom be like, "Oh, this is Frank Sinatra." So I watched it, and I actually remember. From I remember here? that. I thought from here to eternity wasn't that the movie where Burt Lancaster and who else has the famous uh, love scene on the beach? 
Who's his female counterpart in that? Uh, I have to look that up, but yeah, you're, that is from Maybe it was, I think it was Ernest Borgnine. Okay. The two of them were in a sweaty embrace, big dog, and it broke some TV movies. Huh? Okay, what's the, what's the name of the Sinatra movie? Because the Sinatra movie has like just a it's real Deborah simple... Kerr. Deborah Kerr. Ah, I thought it was Ernie Borgnine. Uh, no, the Sinatra movie is From Here to Eternity. Is it, that's what it is? Okay. Yeah, okay, same thought... one. Okay. Same okay. movie. I think. I don't know. I, I, I thought it might be a name of something else. Oh, that's mm-hmm. All right, we'll check that yeah, out. I'll see, anyway. see what I can find, but I mean, he, his IMDb listing is incredibly, incredibly long. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I can't even imagine. Can you imagine looking up like Mickey Rooney? Mickey Rooney is like in a movie every other day. <laughs> so, well, yeah. the reason why you really don't see Ernest Bergnine that much is because of his age, first of all. And secondly, I mean, he really went over to voiceover work. The last 15 years, did a lot of cartoons. I could and have stuff. sworn, matter of fact, doing the radio show, Big Doug, I could have sworn we did an obituary of the day. We had this segment back on our um, our morning break radio show, and I could have sworn Ernie Borgnine was one of our feature guys about eight years ago. But obviously, my memory does not serve me well. All right, moving along, moving along. Let's go to Ultimate Fighting, Big Doug. We previewed the match on Friday. I know who won it. I don't know much about what happened. It was uh, Ultimate Fighting Middleweight Championship UFC, one of the most highly publicized matches of all time. Anderson Silva the Great going up against the trash-talking Kale Sonnen in a uh, rematch, and uh, Silva won again. Yeah, uh, Kale Sonnen. He, uh, he, Sonnen dominated the first half. Oh, that was first half. First round. Uh, Anderson Silva ends up, uh, it, it was a beautiful knee to the chest. Uh, and and basically was able to crumple uh, uh, Stone in, and it was he hit him with five punches to the head, and while he didn't defend himself, and they stopped the fight just like they should have. Because Stone, you got to defend. If you don't defend yourself, fight's over. He didn't defend himself, and he started bitching. Oh, they shouldn't have stopped it. Well, defend yourself. And anyways, uh, the the beautiful thing is this: all this crap that Stone in talked before he says after this fight. This was before all the crap talking. He said one of the things he said is after this fight, I'm going to go to Brazil and have uh, Silva's wife cook me a steak. Okay, that's what he said. After uh, Silva finished him off, he's like, you know, blah blah blah. Quit booing him. He's a good guy. He's a good fighter. He's just dumb. Pretty feels beautiful, coach, or whatever he said. And then at the end of it, he's like, and by the way, Chael, uh, uh, you are welcome to come to Brazil, and my wife will make you a steak. <laughs> Beautiful, Coach. So, beautiful. Well, I, yeah. I want to make sure I'm getting the, the gist of this. Cause my next question was, after all the trash talk and the contentiousness, how they handled it afterwards. So there was legitimate uh, uh, niceties between the two? or was? It... Yeah, I, I think uh, Silva was just basically like, you do realize that I'm better than you now, so just mm-hmm. shut up. I'm the greatest of all time. Yeah. Or maybe. That's why he normally doesn't act all that happy. Normally he's all quiet and stuff. This was like the, the first time I'd really ever seen him that happy after a fight, Anderson Silva. It was, it or, was a little weird. He was, or he is he like, happy the fact that Kale Sonnen um, talked it up so much, trash talked so much that the forty nine ninety nine price that people were paying was bought by maybe you know thirty three percent more people? So thank you, Kale, for a bigger, higher payout. Chael uh, Sonnen is always going to be that way, and as long as he keeps on throwing bombs like he does and fights like he does. People are going to watch, want to watch him fight. He might talk all the crap he wants, coach, and it's, you know, and 
it's kind of arrogant. It's not really funny, which is the bad thing for him. You know what I mean? He's not. He's more arrogant than funny, so that doesn't come off as uh, as good to me. Mm-hmm. But the guy can freaking fight. But the beautiful thing about it all is Anderson Silva lost a little respect for me because he was the greatest fighter that I had seen ever. But he kind of let it slide. He was so much more dominant than everybody that all of a sudden he's getting into fights with people and he wouldn't finish them off when he really should have. And he should have finished off Stonin the first time they fought him, but he got beat up for four rounds uh, for 20 minutes. The, the championship fights go five rounds. And uh, and in the fifth round, he just, like, reversal, you know, and taps him out. And, you know, it was, like, disappointing. He looked like the old Anderson Silva, is all i got to say. And he was able to handle a barrage from Stonin in the first round. That dude can flat-out fight. The one thing you don't want to have happen to you, Coach, is get kneed or elbowed by Anderson Silva. It is wicked. It's, uh, it was, I don't know, the man is back, as I got to say. Any so chance the, um, next any chance Chicago Blackhawks could put a uniform on an Anderson Silva? And, you know, we're looking for an enforcer. We need some more physicality with the team. Teach him how to skate a little bit. And I would think most players on the opposing team, if they knew, if they saw the Silva, 99 on the back of the jersey, would probably stay away from physical contact of his uh, teammates. Now, why don't we just stick with uh, with Naperville's very own Clay Guida or Crystal Lake's very own Clay Guida or Aurora's or whatever, wherever Clay Guida is from because he seems to pop up everywhere. Why don't we just put him on the Blackhawks? He's, you know, he's white and Italian. I'm sure he's probably uh, skated <laughs> sometime in his life. <laughs> All right. I don't know who Clay Guida is, but if he's an ultimate fighter. Yeah, uh, he is. He's not, okay. He would get destroyed by Anderson Silva, but he, mm-hmm. he probably would beat up 95% of the NHL. Okay. All right, very good. Just a thought. Just a thought. Moving along on our titillating tidbit news and notes, Monday version of the Two Guys at a Mike Show. Big dog and a coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. We'll do it all week long. Producer extraordinaire David Olson, other side of the glass. Wimbledon tennis, the greatest tennis tournament of all, the 126th annual Big Dog. Hard to believe. Been around that long, but Roger Federer, <clears throat> Roger Federer wins over Andy Murray. In impressive fashion, and they're talking about him uh, maybe, and I don't think you can argue it now, being maybe uh, overall the greatest tennis player that has ever lived. Yeah, especially considering he's won all the Grand Slam events, so all the different surfaces. And and to win in an era with Nadal and Djokovic, when other people are trying to say that Nadal has a chance to be the greatest ever and Djokovic could be the greatest ever, I mean, uh, when uh, John McEnroe, I, I, I've, I've learned, the more I listen to him, the more I've really learned to like him, and, that's, and it's surprising. But the way he talks about how great the tennis is being played now, he's like me, Jimmy Connors, throwing board, we have no chance against these people. Like yes. He doesn't talk like that, but you know, he honestly admits it's better than it was when he was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Federer's got to be the greatest coach. Sometimes, really, when you have great players and all of them push your level play up, and who knows, maybe it's not over. Maybe next year, you know, uh, Nadal and Djokovic take it to the next level. But if Federer wins any more majors after this, I mean, it's truly amazing how dominant he has been over, like, a 10-year period. Coach. Seven times. Know. Seventh time. I think that ties all time. I think Pete Sampras has got seven. Seven-time champion at Wimbledon. And I talked about it a little bit on Friday, Big Doug. I really haven't watched tennis much uh you know, in the last 
five, eight years. So, you know, I watched Nadal a little bit. I watched Djokovic a little bit. I watched Federer, the women's tennis, a little. But this Wimbledon, for the first time, I actually watched significant portions of a couple of matches. I talked to you, I told you a little bit about the David Ferrer and Andy Murray match, but I did tape and watch, not the entire thing, but a good chunk of the championship match. And comment number one is that uh, tennis is a lot more entertaining than I thought it could be. And comment number two is, uh, right with John McEnroe, and obviously he knows a lot more than I do, but these guys are amazing. I mean, it is unbelievable how hard they hit the ball, how consistent they are, and their overall athleticism. I was really impressed. I mean, the way those guys go back and forth as fast as they do, that type of explosive, fast twitch, muscle, uh, and and then to be hitting a ball on the other hand of it, it's a mm-hmm. it's an athletic, explosive power game and also a skillful game because you have to hit a ball during that and you have to hit it in a special range. It's, it's, it's an amazing game. I threw this out to our listeners and to David Olson, I think, when you had signed off on Friday. And we never really came up an answer for it. What other sport is an individual athlete out there for that period of time? And in men's tennis, it can be two to three hours. And I understand they get a brief break every two games when they switch side. But basically... No subs, no teammates, no offense, defense resting. It's you competing for two and a half hours without anybody else helping you. What other sport, Big Dog, does one person for that extent of time out there by himself in in uh, intense athletic venue? That's, uh, that's, that's a real good question. I mean, obviously, if you go 12 rounds boxing, that's, that's you know, you're yeah, thirty-six. Yeah, that's thirty-six minutes of like ridiculous intensity. Mm-hmm. The twenty-five minutes you would have to go in because uh, they get one-minute breaks in in uh, Ultimate Fighting too. So that twenty-five minutes is like ridiculously intense and and far more intense than like, the, the boxing and the, yeah, and the length the of time. Stuff. Yeah, but yeah, it, that, that's yeah the difference. How, how I would was... have to say a cyclist, a marathon runner. Yeah. Marathon runner, uh, didn't think about that. But oh, it, you can get those, those. I mean, if you start thinking like the the cross country skiing people, mm-hmm. some of those have those. Some of those events, they go like fifty k and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. well, they, well, the ones that go fifty k, those guys finish that like in about ten minutes. Those guys are unbelievable on those skis. <laughs> so. I'm reading a book now called Born to Run. Not only about a third of the way through it, but it's basically about ultra marathoners. And yeah, the, the, uh, the fifty milers, is that right? And a hundred sometimes. And the, these guys laugh. They laugh at the twenty-six point two mile people that run, you know, on the roads because they're doing the hundred mile ultras through the mountains at night. Now, you, if you're if you're reading that book, you got to know about this guy. And please, if you tell me his name, there's some guy that had no idea that he was a runner, and he was like twenty-five and like had a problem and. He just ran one day, and he said, oh, that felt good, and he kept running. He like, he ran like a marathon on, like, the first day that he had ever run. And then at, now he, like, runs 100 miles every single day, and I'm not mm-hmm. kidding you, and he runs, like, every single day over 50 miles. I'm only a third of the way through the book. There is a female, Anna something or other, who is an unbelievable female runner. There's the Tara Hamaru tribe from Mexico that is, as a group, and they hide up in the mountains, but running is what they, you know, they live. 
for running. That's all they do. But I haven't come to the end of the book, so maybe the gentleman you're talking about is still to come. Okay. It's, uh, some of these stores, and if you're in the mountains in Mexico, if you're anywhere near Mexico City and you're running, can you imagine the smog? That's the dirtiest place on earth for, for air, besides, excuse me, India is the dirtiest place on earth in terms of air quality, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, Mexico City is pretty, pretty putrid. Hopefully they don't live anywhere near there, Coach, and are running because that's and not have good. You, have you ever tried being a marathon runner in Gary, Indiana? Forget about India. Uh, well, coach, that's not even close. You should see the really? photographs above India. They have more power plants. Like every, It says, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know how, like, when you call up for customer service and somebody in India, like, answers the phone, hello, how can I help you? You know what I'm saying? And you're yep. like, oh, no. Well, check this out. The same American-owned companies yeah. have all their chemical plants in India, Coach. All of them. Like the Union Carbide incident wasn't, won't be the last, okay, disaster that befits, uh, <laughs> befalls India because of an American company. Mm-hmm. You should, it's, it's truly amazing how much stuff that, oh, no problem. You're going to give us money for that? Okay, we'll do it here. So it's... Uh, okay. It's really you don't want to live in India if you want like quality water or air. Yeah, I'd never never let a little thing like that stop you. <laughs> you know. okay. Yeah, but their asparagus is uh, is very very tasty. Uh, and you know what? The the smell afterwards is even better. <laughs> oh, don't forget via the internet, big dog. This show is being heard in uh, India. So you may have some uh, Indian natives that are uh, coming after you in the not-too-distant future. Why would they be coming after me? They'll probably agree with me. Yes, all yeah. these American companies come come in here and they dump their waste and garbage all in our air and our water. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay. You are probably right. By the way, uh, just as an overall, and again, I'm not through with the book, but they had some college coach who was doing a study of these Terahamaru runners so that he could better his own coaching. He became one of the great coaches of all time, but this guy... Research that took a lot of time, and long story short, what he found was one of the keys to their success was that they didn't run for, you know, timed or for distances or for training. We got a condition. They didn't run on laps for certain, uh, you know, medals, gold, silver, bronze, going for certain places, training, different Fort Lec training methods, et cetera, et cetera. They ran. For the pure love of running, for the passion of it, they ran because that's, you know, what, according to their, I don't know if you want to call it religion, their heritage, man, was born to run. Thus the name of the book. But that's the part he, he, he studied them for so long, trying to figure out technique. What are they doing technique differently, you know? And that's really the thing. And again, I'm not done with it yet, big dog. And I think it can apply to us in a lot of other areas of life is they didn't do it for the training or the discipline or the competition, all the hard work, et cetera. They did it because they love it, and, and they just got in tune with their body as they ran, and they could run all day, all night. Interesting. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I understand. I mean, I have to work out. Like, every single day I have to exercise, be extremely active. Yeah, but why? Something, but I, I have no idea. And Okay, so those people... That's you know, and if you raise people that way, they're like you know, physical activity can help you in all your mental aspects emotionally. I have noticed that when I've had the most emotional discourse in my life, it's been yes. when I was not exercising. Coach. Yep. You know, and that brings up another sidelight, and I completely agree with that. I, I, 
long been a huge fan. I think you could take a lot of the teenage troublemaker kids, and I, th- I know they have some of them. Uh, no, no, called... What do you want to do physically? Ask them, is there anything? Like, uh, think of an activity. Like, seriously, and say, oh, this is gym class. This is what you have to do. And there's got to be a way to reach kids like that and be like, you know, there's got to be because well, it's not good to do absolutely nothing physically for your own whole emotional well-being. Yeah, but so. I think a lot of the troubled kids today, and I started to say, I think they've got some things that they, where they tried the boot camp approach for troubled teenagers. I'm a thir- firm, thorough believer for prisoners, adults, young teenage troublemakers. You get them on a rigorous rigorous physical regime like you talked about big dog the endomorphins you feel good about your body i'm not saying it's the cure-all and end-all but i think it could make a significant difference intense exercise it, it uh you know when you release the endorphins it does create like positive mental energy yeah. in your whole entire body now it's really important that you do that a friend of yours and mine won't mention it, a friend of yours and mine uh, unfortunately has a family member who's had to serve some prison time, mm-hmm. okay. Not for a violent crime, but more for a nonviolent, uh, off the playing field, white collar type crime. But and, and, and they can't get the bail money to get him out right now. But interesting. When I talked to this person, he said that when he went to visit, this is like thirty days into his stay, that he uh-huh. now is going to be able to. Oh, oh, he's now going to be able to exercise or have the use of the recreational facilities for half an hour a day. And I'm thinking to myself, after 30 days? Now, I understand they're in prison, but if I were in charge of the prison system, Big Dog, everybody, it would be mandatory. I'd have a guy, a boot camp, the strongest boot camp guy I could find, leading. I would force everybody to do an intense program. My theory would be if you get prisoners working out, conditioning, running, 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 they'll have a lot less time to uh, find other ways to get in trouble. Well, um, I think their problem, what they're afraid of is they don't want to be training a bunch of monsters That's... and all of a sudden, oh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I, like, I've never run a prison and that is one job I don't want because literally about 30% of them shouldn't even be in prison anyways because of victimless crimes. But the other one, the, the real important one that you want to keep in prison, I don't think they want to empower them in any way. That's an interesting it's, point. David, what do you think? That's a, I got to think about that when you're right, because now... I mean, you don't run the prison, so I don't know if you should really be making those decisions, Coach. That should I, be, I that, totally understand where you're coming from. I do. Yeah. I appreciate this. That should be a privilege you have to earn, mm-hmm. not not just be automatically given. But don't you think rigorous exercise would alleviate some of the other would make prisoners a little bit less troublesome. Make them angrier. Really? Yeah, yeah, or, up, or, yeah. oh. Why would it make or, them yeah, angry? Maybe, maybe not angrier, David. How about more focused? You know, like, oh, yeah, all right. Let's uh, all get together now. Uh, all right. I don't know if I agree with that. Angry. Well, Why would they be angrier? After exercise? They're going to tunnel that rage into the into the exercise. No, and but- you can build yeah. the rage while you're working well, out. Well, exactly. Too. Tunnel the rage into the exercise. And now when they get done exercising, the rage is gone. Not necessarily. You could use it to build you can it can have the opposite effect. Okay. You can get angrier. All right. All right. Big dog, when I do my eighteen push ups, I don't get that angry, I can tell you that. 
He was not a bad coach. Actually, 25, to be absolutely honest with you. All right, moving along. Uh, 888, we got sidetracked here a little bit. 4636748, the phone number. Anytime you want to chime in on some of the sick and or sorted thoughts of the big dog or the coach, you're uh, more than welcome. In fact, encouraged to do so. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Big dog, the Women's U.S. Open LPGA, probably their biggest tournament was won by a South Korean. I think they are dominating the circuit now. They won four of the last five U.S. Open. But what a delightful young lady and what a spectacular performance by Nayeon Choi, who won by a four strokes. She'd won four or five tournaments before. This was her first major win. She performed tremendous and uh, just a really, really nice young kid. How did that? Can she speak English? Yeah, very well. No, I just, not that like it really matters, but I know like the now the LPGA is much happier because oh, they were sick of all the ch- major championships going to people that couldn't speak for the sponsors. Mm-hmm. But they, I mean, they were really worried about that. And now, so this is perfect for them. They get somebody that can actually speak English. They're probably really happy. Yep. 67th U.S. Open. It was held at the Blackwater uh, Club up in beautiful Kohler, Wisconsin. Apparently, Choi shot a 65 on Saturday. That put her eight strokes ahead. And it was windy and really, really hot. Not great conditions. And they say the 65 she shot on Saturday, Big Dub, maybe one of the great rounds all time for a female golfer. I didn't watch it, but um, Nayeon Choi, the winner of the U.S. Open. So congrats to her. Right. Uh, Tour de France. Tour de France. You following in all the uh, always exciting and stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France, Big Dub? I can barely watch my Cubs. Okay, do you know what? Do you know when I cover cycling? When I'm flying down Canal Street or either flying down <laughs> Canal Street or going as cautiously as any human being can possibly go on a bicycle, depending on where I'm at on Canal Street. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I don't. That's not going to quite do it, but you still got time to catch up. Plenty of time to catch up. Eight stages down, 12 to go. That's the wonderful thing about the Tour de France. It's a three-week marathon, Big Dog. I know that excites you, but eight stages down, 12 to go. Bradley Wiggins of uh, Britain. Is your leader in the always ever present Kdell Evans from Australia in second place? Only twelve stages left. We're uh, starting to get to the nitty gritty. Isn't a marathon only like one twenty-six mile race? I was using the term marathon in a uh, quadrennial sense. So <laughs> I'm not sure what that word means. I don't either, but I thought it fit for the moment. All right, stage I, I to stage coverage of the Tour de France only here on the Two Guys at a Mic Show. There's no coach. <laughs> uh, NBA basketball, we got to mention it appears it's not official, but it looks like Kirk Heinrich is going to be coming back to our very own Chicago Bulls. Big Dub, most people fairly favorable on that. There's a few that aren't. Your thoughts on Heinrich coming back to the beloved? It was, with, with a one-year deal? Does he have an expiring contract, Two. Coach? Two-year deal, but two-year barely. Deal. Heinrich with a two-year deal. A one-year deal, I'm all thumbs up for. Two years. But it's pretty cheap, uh, isn't it, David? Two years, what, $6 million, $4 million? Oh, he's only going to make $3 million yeah, a year? Yeah, it's, it's not a big yes, country. Yes, I love it. I love it. Yes, come on, Kirk, come. In fact, they're talking about season. Hell yes, send him to a five-year deal, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> it is so low, they're talking about that maybe the Bulls, in fact, and we're going to hear very, very soon, they might match the Omer Oshik $25 million contract offer. Uh, how many years is Omir Ashik getting $25 million for? Three Please years. Oh. And, the, and the third year, 
is like fourteen million. David, do you got Kirk Heinrichs? Yeah, it's two years, roughly six million. So three okay. years. Yeah, yeah, that's that makes complete sense, a hundred percent. Anybody that is upset about that is, is is just has no common sense about basketball. I didn't realize it was for three million dollars a year. Kirk Heinrich yeah. definitely deserves that type of money. C.J. Watson and uh, John Lucas the third pretty much out the door now. Is Heinrich yeah. Rose Marcus Teague? Rick yeah. Hamilton will probably be our guard combo. Yeah, and uh, honestly, uh, Kirk Heinrich with Marcus Teague, that that could be a, like a perfect little compliment in order to hand the team back to Derrick Rose soon, mm-hmm. where it'll then be Derrick Rose and, Der- and Marcus Teague. Yep, and, so, and, and Heinrich I, would do a nice job, I would hope, of uh, tutoring. And kind Kirk of Heinrich, is class act. Every single teammate has loved Kirk Heinrich. And where the Bulls have won playoff games where Kirk Heinrich has a starter. Plays so, defense. Think, a good, solid yeah. defender. Yeah, and, but at $10 million a year, I wanted him off the team as fast as possible. Okay, but at $3 million a year, a few years later, you know what I mean, where the, the luxury tax is even further away? Yes. Oh, at, you know what? With this whole new way the system has been put up, the, the, the Bulls have to be extremely careful in terms of where you put your money because – they already have Derrick Rose with $19 million. I would think we would all agree that we either want to keep this core together or they're going to need to get another guy with a big contract and still have a pretty decent team after that. So you can't just dish out money. We're all over the place, Coach. Uh, well put, Big Dog. Well put. we got to sign it off. The uh, 58 minutes and 12 seconds has come to a close, Dog. We'll do it all over again tomorrow. Have a great day, okay? Coach, I won't be doing it again tomorrow. I'll be on the river. Woo! Good money. On the road again. All right, we'll talk to you Wednesday. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com. Have a great day, everybody, and thank you so much for listening.